Hello and welcome to this week's BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with Phil Ives, business development partner at Bean Partners, a corporate finance and business intelligence advisory firm offering intelligence-led strategy to support growth, fundraising and both buy and sell side M&A. We get to know more about what makes Phil tick, how the future looks for him and Bean Partners, as well as hearing about how he went from being a working actor to working in corporate finance, a polar leap to say the least. How did you end up doing what you're doing? Acting? Yeah, when did you, when was the corporate finance turn in the, in the road? Yeah, there is, there is a vague narrative to this, uh, which is uh, in the, the tail end of my acting days, um, I had also been doing some writing and I'd written a show and I ended up producing it as well in, in, in Birmingham. Was it a musical show? It was a play with music. Uh, what was it called? Uh, it was called Silent Scores. It was celebrating the centenary of uh, cinema and it was about the musicians in the uh, movie houses in the silent, oh, cool. silent movie cool, era. Cool subject. Yeah, I, I, I thought so. Um, <laughs> and uh, over, over the course of nine months, we managed to put the show on, actually turn a, a profit to the degree that I paid myself £900 for nine months' work. Wow. Um, that's like pretty good going. Yeah. <laughs> that's that bit where you pay everyone else that's and then it. you're that's like, exactly uh, right. that's exactly right. uh, At which point the mortgage was in trouble and uh, I was married and married to uh, an actress who had also had for the first time a bad year from an income point of view. She used to make a lot more money because she did TV. Um, but she had a bad year at the same time. And I said, okay, it's on me to go and earn some proper money to try and do something about this. And no, no longer was making sandwiches or pulling pints or anything going to do it. I had to go and get a job. Uh, and in those days, the creative jobs were advertised in The Guardian on a Monday. And I went and bought one of those. And in there, it said conference producer. And I thought, well, it's an event. It's a producer. I can do that. Somehow, I bullshitted my way into that role, which was essentially a business researcher role. Um, now, I didn't know at that point which way up to hold the FT. But somehow, I ended up putting on an event called Emerging Markets Funds and Investment. And... Um, I started to fall in love with the world of business. Yeah, the paycheck at the end of the month, that was nice. Um, but I started to find it really, really fascinating. And I thought, you know what? I think there's more opportunity to be creative in the business world yeah. I think that's right. than there was in the arts world, certainly in, in where I'd ended up in the arts world. But they're very badly paid as a career. My uh, friend was doing... Well, anyway, there's about 20 of them in this show. And I think he's he was one of the top parts and he was getting... 23 grand a year or something hideous like that. It's a bit like that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, and I just ended up touring in, endlessly and um, just fell out but of what was But what, what was shit about it? The earnings? I mean, it must have been quite fun at some times. Well, you know what? You know, what, what I clearly, had, without being aware of it, what I tried to do was recreate all the fun I'd had at in the amateur space, at school and at uni and all those kind of things. And it's just not like that when you're making a living at it. And it's creatively stifling because if you're doing a run of two, three hundred nights on the same you're show... You're just doing the same thing every night. You are. There's not a lot of scope for being creative. fucking hell, the same thing again and again. And, and do you know how it used to work? And I'm sure it probably still does. But, you know, you get a call on Monday and you'd have an audition Tuesday and a recall Thursday, a job off a Friday, and you've got a week to get your stuff together and sod off for the next six months to be with a bunch of people that you realise after a couple of weeks of rehearsal you don't oh particularly like God, or get on with. Oh, my God, and actors are and a And now nightmare. you've got nightly touring with that lot in a bus, you know. Um, it's a good point because it's. A, I usually say it the way around that the arts industries which sound so you know oh I want to be a pop star I want to be or whatever it's like it's admin it's you know I mean if you be a pop star it's fitness classes you know practice 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 but the other way of saying it which is true is that there was 
so much creativity in business, you know, and you can have so much fun with something, you know, that's not been like rinsed to shit. It's like, oh, we've made this play. How are we going to make it successful? Well, good fucking luck. That is a really difficult thing to do because by the way, there's thousands of plays out there and they're all, you know, desperately trying to make, where it's like, oh, I've come up with this crazy idea that no one's ever thought about before. And that's, you know, let's that's do the, something. That's the bit that's tricky. Which one? The, the crazy? crazy idea that nobody's ever thought about before. Well, like, I don't know. You could come up with that. Easier said than done. You just got to hang around. You just need a team. I'll I'll come up with a crazy idea. Well, it was was one of the frustrations of the acting things. I said earlier on, you know, call on Monday, audition Tuesday, blah, 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 blah. I normally had something on that I was trying to do to generate money of my own rather than just getting a job. And I just always had to abandon that in order to go and pursue this other stuff. The failure to get paid, yeah. Well, failure to get paid, but um, but then in the business world, yeah. So I went on to create a whole load of events for different industries and different people. Right. Fell in love with business, built own businesses, sold owned businesses, uh, as I say, with only a modicum of success there. And then just at the moment when I thought I would go to the dark side of business advice, I got my arm twisted to go and work for somebody else, uh, which is a guy called Mike Danson, who today uh, is the principal shareholder of a PLC called Global Data, whose market cap is north of a billion. Um, He'd sold his previous business, uh, uh, Data Monitor, for 502 million quid. And actually working with Mike for a couple of years where he's totally focused on share price, I had this dawning moment of realisation that if you begin with the end in mind... Uh, when it comes to right, business. Right, he's a big mentor to you. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you really can get a different result and there are levers that you can pull and dials that you can turn that will build value in a business. So off the back of that, I thought, right, I want to go out into the world of business owners and help them smash these statistics um, that you know we cite and, and get a better result for them, which is a fair reward, frankly. You know, entrepreneurs, as we know, the risk they take, the stress so many of them suffer, employing 60% of the workforce. Uh, and, you know, very few of them get a fair return on that. And and he particularly taught you this, this Mike chap that the the he was he, he was a public company, so he was permanently at the behold of the shareholders. Correct. It's, 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 it's where the intersection of the information is much more extreme. It's like, you know, we've done X, this does Y. So therefore, he was permanently... Because that becomes a PR job as much as a business job, isn't it? Or? it uh, very much so. And, and you know, clearly, he's masterful at that. But I mean, you, you, you need the assets in the business to be able to do the PR. You, you, can't, you can't have a sustained uh, level of success. Well, and then listen to the market. Because I, 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 my first job was in a hedge fund. I'd go to these things and some, you know, an analyst with acne. I mean, that should be a <laughs> name of an album or something. But, you know, we put his hand on go, Oh, you know, I remember seeing a couple getting torn apart by, you know, CEOs. Like, you know, the first idea what you're talking about sort of thing but is it important to listen to that that market data did he follow that it's, it's, it's part of it I mean if you, you know the word data pops up everywhere data monitor global data these, yeah. these, these are his businesses and he also had a contextual understanding of the building blocks of value in frankly any business Okay, because of course, partic- what a fascinating guy to learn from because his business is looking at other businesses, data monitoring, you know, managing what you know, what's the outlook for this industry, what's going that's, on, that's and right. da, da, da. so if he didn't, if he wasn't any good at it himself, then you know, he's an a very analytical brain by nature, I guess. Yeah, uh, very, very much so, and uh, you know, he's a billionaire. Have you been to his yacht? I have. Have you? <laughs> oh, is it nice? He's now got a well. It wasn't big enough, so I was, I was, I was, I was with him in Cannes, and I saw, I saw it in his face as we walked around the marina, looking at the others that were bigger than his yacht. This is what happens. It's I hear happens. It's, just, it's, it's, ne- it's never big enough, and then exactly. you're like, oh, it's so, so embarrassing. So he now has a bigger yacht. No, he now has comment. a bigger yacht. No way. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, have you been invited to a billionaire's party? Then that's on my tick list. I, I have actually. Yeah. Was it was it good? Did it have like dancing girls and I don't know whatever my imagination. It, it had elements of that and, you know... Cocktails. Big, big cocktails. Big yeah. celebrity singing and 
Well, uh, did it? Yeah, it's not an environment I'm. I hear it's overrated. Yeah, yeah, I hear it's a bit overrated. You know, basically, you want a can of Kestrel around the back. <laughs> What's your long-term goal? So, as a partner in Bean Partners, my long-term goal is entirely related to the business and what what we want to do. And what's Bean's long-term goal? You said they had a. You've got a five-year plan, haven't you? Yeah, well, well, a three-year and then then another plan after that. Um, It relates to what I've already said around, you know, completely transforming the statistics. Does it end in in world domination? It it, it absolutely does. And if you want to go to the highest level, and I don't care if this sounds like bullshit because it's it's real to us, uh, it's ultimately to enable the efficient deployment of capital for the good of humanity. Mm, It's important for humanity. I mean, a lot of bullshit gets funded and a lot of great stuff goes to waste. M&A's bust. It's, It's a broken industry. Mm. So, you know, you just look at the money that gets wasted and, um, on so many things. Well, I must introduce you to my good friend and, uh, and client Squarebooks. You, you guys have uh, a lot in common about how much you think the industry is broken. I mean, he, he, he's, uh, yeah, would well, it be interesting for you guys to discuss? I Always think, interested. I think, I think anyone coming up with novel ways to try and sort of sort out the process. I mean, he's more looking at the listing process and how bust that is, you know, and all these people and this, the pop and, you know, how you basically sort of set it up so this, this inside team get the... T- anyway. The whole thing is just la-la. But again, you know, ridiculous professional fees as well, you know, a lot of misunderstanding. Well, very good. Um, Well, let's achieve it, I hope. What's most misunderstood about your job? We're a kind of broker. You're a broker. You don't have any money. No money left in this business at night. Well, it's more more that we just try and match people and put them together rather than actually really creating value and providing a roadmap for business owners to get a successful outcome. They, 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 they think we look like most of the competition, essentially, is what I'm saying, I guess. But that's the mindset that makes people resentful about giving money to corporate That's finance. right, because where's the value in that? Well, yeah, it's, it's the old chuck, chuck it at the wall. Yeah. And I've done the rest. Kind exactly. Of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Always the most difficult problem in the room you want someone else to take away. And it's always the problem that you're probably best to deal with. What would you say the biggest problem facing? Being partners is so. Uh, I've got an issue with the word problem, by the way. So okay, uh, all right. Can, well, would you like to discuss? that word to can, be? Can, well, it's something like challenge. Challenge. I knew you were yeah, going to yeah. say that. Oh, he's very positive, isn't he? There's no problems, but it is. Know? But it is. You know, opportunity. What, what you focus on grows. I believe it's growing at the rate we are growing and plan to grow and staying in control. Is hiring a problem? Yeah. What's the growth rate in people terms? What are how many people? Well, we're not having a. No, we've, we're having a really good time recruiting. Now, maybe that's just oh, our, our... I'm sorry, maybe that's just Fuck our industry. This is, this is what happens, really, they're having a terrible time. But they've worked out that when they say they're having a good time, they have a good time. It's that book, isn't it? Uh, the Secret. It's like you, you, just, you just make it happen. It, it does you know? relate to some of this conversation, absolutely. And I've been on the other side of this mindset, I can promise you. But we, you know, we, yeah, we've had to restart one recruitment process for one function, one, one role, because we didn't How find How many people somebody. are you now? Uh, well, in the, in the UK, we're 24. Yeah, which is, for four, I mean, you don't expect a big team when it's a corporate finance. No, well, we, we can achieve our dreams without getting past 60 people. So that's the, that's the model. Number 61 is going to get fired really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing about climate change? Uh, well, if you relate to our purpose, that that plays its part actually in the efficiency. Getting the money of, into the right ca- stuff, absolutely right. Okay. Uh, one of our specialisms in the growth funding and M and A space is sustainability and green tech. Um, so we play there, and also last week, I'm proud to say we pushed the button on starting our own B Corp. Journey. Okay. Okay. And as yet, I haven't seen another corporate finance house that is a, is a B Corp. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, it's a difficult one because you you know that underlying aim and purpose is a bit difficult with 
corporate finance, isn't it? <laughs> it so is. I wouldn't. I can can't imagine it, uh, suggesting we do that in one of the previous businesses I was a partner in, in corporate yeah. finance. Yeah, the well, bastards. Oh, they sign up to be bastards. You know. I mean, lawyers and lawyers find it hard to be B corps as well because unless you're in the sort of charity space or something else, coming up with that kind of purpose to to benefit mankind is quite difficult because the normal purpose is cold hard cash. Whoa, that's brutal. It's true, though. I feel pretty confused about what businesses should be doing for climate change. I feel there's some great headlines. We we sign up for net zero and stuff, but I just feel it's really unclear. Do you think of the businesses you see, you know, they all got a climate agenda now to know what the fuck to do? Well, I mean, ESG is now a board issue, right? It's it's, it's right at the top of the business. It's it's part of the day-to-day role of a CEO, so... Yeah, it's, it's happening. Obviously, some decide to go B Corp or whatever, and frankly, it's a cosmetic exercise, but increase, yeah. increasingly, it seems, as businesses that are authentically serious about it, thank heavens. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Ori Clark was born and raised Right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others Get set up and on their way Ori Clark's door's always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. What are you most excited about for your business? Uh, well, it's all, it's all the stuff I've said already. Yeah, uh, I think I, you've answered that. I think I have, other than to say uh, it now feels like our time. It re- we really feel at an inflection point. And again, the data is saying we, we are we are sort of... Inflection point. We're inflecting uh, at, at the moment, which makes me excited that the, the, the plans to sort of, you know, d- democratise uh, highly priced strategic consulting to level the playing field for founders and build the world's most efficient and effective ecosystem and investors and all that is is a is, is a possibility. Are you expanding overseas? You're UK focused, yeah. Uh, yeah, we are. We we uh, we have uh, a partner in Canada. We, we and some some associates in the states. We've got a number of people in Australia uh, as well. We believe we can achieve our aims purely through the UK, but if we can uh, broaden out internationally then all, all well and good but I can't what, what does it get to it gets to the point that in London you are the most successful corporate finance house for want of a better very short version I suppose of, in simplest terms yeah, I yeah. Mean, you, go, you go back to those stats yeah I, I, I don't know who else out there can say that they've they're, they're the 100% flip of that Forbes statistic you know, yeah there's, yeah there's, there's one business we tried to sell in the last five years that we didn't manage to sell and that was a travel tech business in COVID how could you tell that I go to a corporate finance uh, I'm trying to pick one you know, and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, we say most of our deals happen. I mean, yeah, they have tombstones, but I don't know how many deals they're doing. How do yeah. you tell? Well, are they a deal junkie or not? If they're a deal junkie, all they'll do is talk to you about their tombstones. Deal junkie just means I, I'll just take as many as I can. Just give me his retainers. Just want to get them all away. Exactly. Whereas, as I said earlier on, we're proud of how few deals we do. Okay. Okay. So I see. So they'll just say, look, look how many deals we get done. And I know everybody in your industry and I've got a black book. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's bigger than everybody else's. Yeah, absolutely. It's feeling very macho again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I'm afraid it is. That is the. That it is, is still a macho it industry. It is a very male macho industry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of deals done down the pub. Well, you wait to get your B Corp section on gender equality. You're going to have to rethink everything. Oh, I don't know. I mean, do you have a lot, lot of women in your business? We're more deals? diverse than pretty much anybody you will find who claims to be a competitor. That's how I met them in the first place, was through one of my women in business. Oh, network. okay. Okay. Yeah, who's our CEO of uh, our platform that we're building that will go live next year. Okay, fantastic. And, and, what, and can you tell us what the platform's going to be called? Is it Bean Partners? Or? No, it's called Founder Zone. Founder Zone, misspelled, of course. Where's the Z and the S? They're mixed together. No, there's, no, there's it's no spelled S. perfectly normally. <laughs> it spelled correctly. What can you talk about it? What's it going to do? Yeah, well, I mean, I, actually, I've, I've already sort of said what it's going to do, which is to democratise ah, okay. highly priced consulting for ambitious founders uh, around uh, scaling a business funding a business and ultimately exiting a business, selling a business. And there's also a section on there around personal development for founders in order to have the right uh, founder profile uh, to uh, let you know that you stand a fairly good chance of being successful. So, so is FounderZone going to be as kind of ruthless in terms of the people that you will take on? No, because it, it, it'll be a, it'll be a, an on, online platform. So, so you're not going to go, you're a bit of a dick, you can't come on No, no, platform. but we, we might well have a sort of an indicator on there that will tell you whether you're a bit of a dick or not. So. <laughs> yeah, the dick meter. <laughs> Biggest fuck up. I mean, in, in relation to the, what we do as a business, I, I would say not starting with the end in mind in the businesses that I went on to sell, not planning to sell it. Um, at a higher level, in business fuck up, actually. I, do you my, look back at those businesses and think, I could have sold them for so much money? Oh my God, every day. Do you really? Yeah, it's not cool, is it, to yeah, say you regret? Yeah, it's not positive. That doesn't sound positive. <laughs> I thought you were a positive person now. Yeah, there's no problem with that, that you know. I learned, I learned from it, and now I take those learnings into other people's businesses. And, of course, you know, I am partner in another business now, so we're now applying those learnings. Actually, my, my higher-level response to that question is not listening to my instinct. I can look back at so many things that went wrong, whether it be a product or a hire or any number of things. And and when the wheels came off, I'd known all along that this wasn't. Takes work. a long time to know that that's what your gut was telling you, though. Yeah. That's what that's what you don't have when you're younger. You look back and you go, "I fucking knew that." Was, I, I I sort of half said it to myself, but I didn't react to it. It just takes a long time to respect your gut enough. It does, which is why things like Vistage and and some of those groups, I think, will fast track you on that because that's when you do get people challenging you and and saying really does it, is this is this is this guy this woman are you, are you sure that's a good hire yeah you know that's i know those are the conversations they you're have. really attracted to her and she's not very good at her job yeah. <laughs> what's your passion outside of business you know i've got passions around sport and especially music and yeah, and, yeah. And what's those, your music those, passion it's 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 very broad it is it is quite eclectic um i have a I'm musical theater from 1972 you know i really don't like musical theater at all but the music the sign the sign of my age is is to do with the fact i do have a particular fascination and love of some of the bands that have been going since the 60s and 70s that oh, are which still ones? going Can't well the, 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 the ultimate for me uh, is is the who yeah, who amazing. are on tour in the states at are the they moment? Really? Yeah, still getting uh, uh, Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey. Yeah, yeah, and I'm okay. I'm I'm very biased about that because I actually got to spend a night a night backstage with with them once. Did you and yeah. hung out with them? I did. Yeah, I spent an evening in John Entwistle's dressing room, which was an experience. Yeah, wow, that must have been cracking. Amazing band, <laughs> the Who. Fantastic. And, and, and Keith Moon, I like you know, I, 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 he was just the ultimate nutter. You know, he really fantastic. was the ultimate nutter. Yeah. What's the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? 
So I'm, I'm, I'm slightly low to cite it because it, it was a piece of advice Come I was on. given from somebody who I had and have enormous respect for. But I listened to this piece of advice and it was a mistake. And this is, you may say, hello, he's got the same record going again here. But this particular individual said to me, great businesses do difficult. And I, I know on the one of what he's kind of meant, you know, is they're prepared to tackle stuff that other businesses aren't. But it implies, and I'll take responsibility for having interpreted the way I interpreted it. But I interpreted it interpreted, you know exactly what I mean, uh, that to be a great business, it needs to be difficult. Yeah, which is not what he said, to be fair. Which is not not what what he said, said, but, you know, it was bad advice. All she said. (laughs) Don't misunderstand advice. If someone gives you advice, especially if it's some old stupid saying, work out what it means. Well, all I would say is the businesses this guy owned, all of them were difficult businesses to work in. So he was running a program here, which I tuned into. And guess what? My... It, I made it very difficult. To Yours is almost the opposite. Great businesses are easy. Yeah, I mean, you could see you're you're a writer. You've 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 written stuff and things that it's very true that artistically, creatively, it it should write itself, shouldn't it? You know, if it's if you if you're really getting stuck on it, and it's not it's not meant to be. Yeah, so. I mean, so there's, a, there's a kind of let it happen thing rather rather than force and push. You know, to create an environment that lets it happen. Best piece of advice: Don't have the same problem two days running. Ooh, of course, I've got to leave my I wife now. I, I could have done with that advice yesterday, thanks. <laughs> it's not all problems you can fix in a day. Can you, can't, you can't necessarily fix them, but, you know, there's something you can do to make sure it doesn't go on any longer than it absolutely has to. There's, there's research done by Vern Harnish. I don't know if you come across Vern Harnish, business writer, um, and his research, I don't know how they calculated it, but is the average employee in the average organisation spends 40% of their time every week on recurring issues. Oh, my God. Well, you would have just looked at agendas. They just keep coming back well, up, don't d- they? D- and don't they just? They just go round and round and round. Yeah, yeah. You've ticked off this, really. You've given us some recommendations. You just gave us one there for what, what to read. Is there anything else? Uh, so I'm quite partial to Brendan Burchard's work, which is called High Performing Habits. So I'll often stick that on Audible and, and have a listen. It's arguably the most statistically valid research that's ever been done into high performance. And it's got some wonderfully simple little um, practical takeaways. I mentioned Vern Harnish, a particular book. The first book he wrote, I implemented uh, in my first business, which did actually go on to be a very successful business from a growth perspective. He studied all sorts of things. He studied like the the, the basketball team in America. There's a book, and then there's this like the, the, the one of the worst performing teams were like the Russian nuclear sub team or uh, something. No, I don't remember that from Vern. Uh, okay. Um, his, you know, his, his book's more mundane than that. Actually, that sounds far more interesting on some level, but it's, yeah. it's just a hundred page book about sort of how to build a fast growth business and it's called uh, Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. Right. Just got some fantastic simple takeaways. What, what advice would you give your younger self if you could go back now? Uh, it would be to get clearer about your own shortcomings and lack of knowledge and lack of experience in relation to whatever and do something about it and to know people that can help you fill those okay, gaps. Okay, because I was gonna, about to say, my God, that's very negative for somebody who's very, very positive. But actually, it's the do something about it's it. It's the do something about it, because I just know I could have gone so much faster and done so many more things if I... And it wasn't that I was... Cause cause you went on your mate's yacht. That's it was, <laughs> None of my mates have got a yacht, so I'm fine. I don't, I don't think I was ever naturally closed to the idea of external support, if, if you like, but I didn't proactively go seeking it, and that's that, that's that's the difference for me. Whoa, how freak it would be if your older self did come and sit and talk to you. Would you fucking listen to them? Oh Can you imagine, God. what's that fucking old prick know about what I'm going to do? Do some effing work would have been 
yeah. my advice. No, listen. What you got to do, listen. You got son. You got to like really, you know, pay attention and listen. Oh, fuck off, Grandpa. Anyway. <laughs> So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra, and we'll be back with a new episode in the new year. In the meantime, wishing you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from everyone here at BWB. 